It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Yes, I am the co-host of this fine program, Estate Planning Essentials, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my very good friend who only gets better every day, and who should be your attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don, and happy holidays to you and to all. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that very much, and tis the season to give, and you're going to give us uh, a very worthy and insightful education on the topic of Medicaid because something came up at your last workshop earlier this month that you wanted to present to the audience today. Yeah, a lot of times uh, the question was actually never been asked in any workshop that we've done before, uh, and we've been doing them for nine years. Hmm. And But I thought it was, it, but we see it from time to time, especially since here it is, it's Christmas time, and people say, okay, how can I give? So how can I give? In what ways can I compensate my child and not jeopardize potential needs for long-term care if I don't have long-term care insurance, I guess is the best way of saying it. Uh, In other words, if you have adequate uh, long-term care insurance and income that would pay for the cost of care, now the average cost of care, at least in Texas, and it's going to be a lot more expensive in other states, Mm -hmm. is over $7,000 a month for a nursing home. Well, wow. let me stop you right there and ask you a question about that, because you started this, and it does bring to mind something. Michael, I've always been told that people lack adequate long-term care insurance. It's just one of those things that they'll get to later, but they hold off until they turn 65 or something. Do you find that in your practice? I find that 90% of Americans do not have long-term so, care insurance. Wow. And so, hmm. so this affects 90%. Well, unless you have... A lot of assets. So if you're, you know, very, right. you have millions of dollars, don't worry right. about this conversation right. probably. But if you're, um, but average American uh, does not have long-term care insurance. And uh, actually a lot of times, uh, some for whatever reason, either it's too expensive or uh, it's, um, they don't pass underwriting. I had a, a cousin called me this week that uh, he was real, um, Disappointed, he was. Um, he's probably about uh, upper fifties or sixty years old, and he does have long-term care insurance, and he's mm-hmm. had it for a while. Mm-hmm. But he was disappointed that the premiums went up eighty percent this year. Oh my! And yeah, eighty percent. And he said, "Gee, I mean, can they do that?" And I said, "Well, yeah, sure. If the state does that, and so there's an insurance commission that's appointed by the governor, and of course, what ends up happening is." Uh, the the insurance companies go to the state and say, oh, um, our costs have been are a lot greater now. 
and so therefore we need to jump the premiums. And if the state allows it, then the state allows it. So then it, what ends up happening, they pass it to the consumer. It's kind of like, you know, we, we talked, uh, you know, earlier this year, we had the great uh, snowmageddon, or not snowmageddon, the freezemageddon, whatever you <laughs> right. want to call it, for 2021, uh, about with our energy. Well, who was appointed? The people who were from the energy boards, and those are somewhat of a, I'm not going to say it's a conflict of interest, but they did what's best for the companies and not what's best for the consumer. Sorry right. if that offends anybody, but right. I'm going to say the way I feel. And in this case here, the insurance commissioners are, it's, you know, probably a lot of different people and they could jump the premiums as in this case, 80%. So in this, so here he was saying, I'm thinking about dropping my long-term care insurance, even though I could afford it because the premiums have gotten to be where it's, it's, it's just not, I would, you know, it's not as good a deal as they say, and I don't want to pay that much premium. So that may happen uh, a lot. A lot of times people, you know, what happened was that there was uh, actuaries that thought, okay, uh, people will not live X as long as they have. Right. And also that they may drop out because the premiums go too high. So they calculate that in what they determine what your insurance premiums are. And uh, actually, a lot of the different long-term care insurance companies stop selling long-term care insurance because they thought they miscalculated and thought that people wouldn't live as long as they would, and uh, and also that less people would drop out uh, than they thought that they would. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, they're paying out, and they were losing a lot of money on long-term care insurance, and that's why they were able to raise the premiums uh, because uh, people weren't dropping and people were living uh, longer, and that meant more insurance that had to be paid out. That's the defense for the uh, insurance company. So, but that's because they miscalculated. So, a lot of the different companies who were selling long-term care insurance before are not selling it anymore. It's down to about 13 companies here in Texas, I believe. So, we have this problem that unless you have, uh, and of course, Medicare doesn't cover this. Um, it has very limited coverage. If you have a three-day hospitalization stay, then you get 20 days fully paid, uh, and uh, then you have up to an 80-day copay, uh, mm-hmm. and if you have a Medicare supplement, that will take care of that. Uh, could take care of that, you know, maybe as much as three months. But if you mm-hmm. stop from declining, they could cut you off between days 21 and 100. So then, what ends up happening then is if then you see that because Medicaid does pay for things, uh, a lot of people want to plan to get eligibility for the governmental assistance, uh, so that all their assets just don't go to or could go to pay for the cost of care. So people look for different ways to go within the rules to get the eligibility for the government to help pay for the cost of care. Problem is that uh, Medicaid is means tested. And Hmm. in other words, they look at your resources. And so there are certain resources that count and certain resources that do not count. And if you make an uncompensated transfer within five years, then they think you did it on purpose to get the governmental benefits for the government to help pay for the cost of care. So then it gets to these people who say, well, gee, how can we pay uh, if we don't make uh, do change assets into things that do not count, like a home? A home doesn't count as long as there's an intent to return home. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're married of any limit, if you're single, the equity limit as we talked about a few weeks ago, 
uh, is going to be 636000 as of uh, January 1st. Uh, your home, one car, pre-need funeral, everyday living type things generally don't count. Uh, if I didn't mention a pre-need funeral, uh, not only for yourself, but you could buy burial spaces for your children, one generation up, down, and sideways. Uh, so there are certain things that do not count, and actually mm-hmm. even in Texas, a traditional IRA, as long as there's required minimum distributions, doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a certain type of annuity that we, it's an income stream that doesn't count. Anyway, so if people don't do that, they say, is there a way to compensate um, my family in some way uh, without uh, losing or having too much of a penalty period. Right. Remember, if you make a, if I make, even though the IRS rules say that you give away up to fifteen thousand dollars a year in 2021 per person, uh, of course, as we mentioned, I think on one of the prior shows that in 2022 it's going up to sixteen thousand dollars per year per person. But those are IRS rules, not Medicaid rules. Remember, Medicaid is means tested. So they think that if you gave away any assets for less than fair market value within five years, he did it on purpose so that the government would pay. It's an anti-fraud provision mm-hmm. to try to, to stop people from giving away money just so that the government would pay. And right. so a lot of times, so, the, so what the purpose of the question at the last workshop was, how can mom pay me <laughs> for <laughs> care and not get, uh, uh, I, I'm taking care of mom at home or whatever, uh, I want, or maybe, you know, somebody, you know, just wants to pay one of the kids to be paid to take care of mom or dad or whomever, because, you know, the no, you know, most people don't want to go in a nursing home. We want to stay at home as long as possible. In fact, there's even a rule, uh, one rule, that says that if you take care of a parent for at least two years uh, that prevented institutionalization. Uh, so let's say we had, um, uh, oh, we'll call mom Granny Smith. And Granny Smith Granny has a daughter. Smith. Yeah, you may have heard of her. The apple. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, she's the apple of your eye. Well, anyway, uh, Granny <laughs> Smith maybe had a daughter named Anna Nicole. And let's say that Grand Anna Nicole is notor- is known for taking care of elderly people. In this case, she's taking care of her mom. You're funny. And she takes care of her mom. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're kind of getting this. I sure am. Uh, you're very funny. It's the holiday spirit in you, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> so Anna Nicole, who's used to taking care of elderly people, including her husband, uh, she uh, – she takes care of her mom, Granny Smith, and she keeps her from having to go into a nursing home for two years. There's actually a rule that says that you could transfer the property, the home, to Anna Nicole uh, without any transfer penalty. Normally, there's that five-year look-back period, but if she took care of mom at mom's home, that prevented her from having to go into the nursing home. The government says, look, we want to encourage people to take care of people at home. Therefore, we will allow that, and that will not be a transfer penalty. However, there could be some other issues there from a tax perspective because, for example, uh, if Nana Nicole lived there, maybe she's not over 65, and maybe Mm -hmm. she doesn't get the homestead exemption. Also, if the property had gone up in value since Granny Smith bought the property, then if she transferred the property, then if she had held it till she died, then you get what's called a step-up in basis. 
In other words, you get the values of the date of death, and you wouldn't have the when Anna Nicole sells it, she wouldn't have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation from when Granny Smith and her mom got the property to the date of her death, but only for appreciation after that. Uh, and especially if, depending on whether it's her homestead or not, how much uh, uh, if it's her homestead, she gets up to another two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar gain without there being. Uh, capital gains tax after death, but if she wasn't her homestead, uh, and then uh, on uh, and she received that property, then she would take the basis of her mom by the deed to her, and would have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation. So you have to look before you leap. So yeah. even though the Medicaid may do that, we have to consider the tax rules as well. Um, wow. Let's, okay. It's complicated. Yeah. There's a, there's lots of different things. And so uh, another one, uh, for example, that they do, there's a couple different things. You know, there are certain things that they expect of a family member. So in other words, if a family member does house painting or repairs the home or mows lawns or uh, does grocery shopping or cleaning or laundry or preparing meals or Oh, I don't know, transportation to medical care, like uh, for the doctor's office or whatever, they expect, they being the state, expects that of a family member. And so you can't get compensated for doing things like that. Uh, so just to take that in consideration. But And any, if, if there is any kind of agreement, see, Texas thinks that there's really a duty of a child to help take care of somebody, but there are some limited exceptions. And so whatever you do, it would have to be an agreement. In other states, I should mention, there are a lot of times people have caregiver agreements, and they say, okay, I agree to pay my child whatever it is uh, to uh, to take care of parent, and they allow that as part of the spend-down. And remember, mm -hmm. I just mentioned for Medicaid, since if somebody has no long-term care insurance or it's inadequate, uh, people try to reduce their assets to get eligible for Medicaid. Right. And the amount that you can keep depends upon if you're single or if you're married. If you're single, it can only be 2,000 of countable resources. We gave some examples of things that do not count earlier, the home, the car, brain need funeral, et cetera. So, so let's, how can a uh, parent, let's say, take pay the child? When, what circumstances under Texas law uh, and, of course, the laws of every state are different with regard to Medicaid. Well, let's say that the child quit her job and then had an agreement with parent to take care of them other from the, than those things that we uh, talked about before. So let's uh, use an example of let's say that uh, Mrs. Lee uh, is a nursing home applicant, and let's say that she said, I'm going to transfer my $30,000 money market to my daughter, Sarah, and, you know, Sarah Lee, and nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Oh, here he goes. Okay. He, he, he's very, <laughs> very spirited today. Okay. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Don is in, is in, has been, uh, for lack of better words, as her, his fiance, his name is Sarah Lee. Mm -hmm. And so I must say that uh, this was, uh, for Don's purposes, uh, uh, a, 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 an example. Uh, so let's say that um, uh, Sarah's mom uh, said, okay, I'm going to pay you, you quit your job uh, to take care of me, and I'm going to give you this 30000 CD or money market account. Let's say that Sarah was earning $3,000 a month when she quit her job, uh, and then uh, this third, she got this, she took care of mom for, uh, let's say, six months, 
uh, and she, um, mom applied for Medicaid. Mrs. Lee applied for Medicaid. Well, what would the state look at? The state would say, well, let's first of all get proof that she quit. So she, that means she probably wouldn't be getting uh, unemployment. Uh, number two, that mean we have to show what she was earning, what Sarah was earning. So it was $3,000 a month, uh, and she did took care of her for six months, so that's $18,000, but she got a $30,000 CD or money market, so that means that there would have been a $12,000 gift that they would penalize. They would look at the average cost of care, divide that into the amount of the uncompensated transfer from the month in which you apply for Medicaid. So in this case, that'd be a little bit less than two months of ineligibility from the date that Mrs. Lee went into a nursing home and applied for Medicaid, assuming she was otherwise eligible. Let me give you another example. Let's say that um, there's a, oh, let's call Mr. Jones. And he said, okay, I'm going to give my $10,000 CD to, because he didn't have any money, didn't have enough to take care of his bills at home and stuff like that. So he says, I have an, uh, he has a written agreement. You know, we told you you had to have an agreement. Uh, let's say that he had some written agreement specifying that, look, John Paul, if you pay me, oh, let's say his son's name is John Paul Jones. Okay, you may have heard of him too. Yes. Anyway, let's say that John Paul Jones says, I'm going to pay your bill. So he pays a, a caregiver, let's say we'll call her Betsy Ross, uh, to take care of dad. We'll pay Betsy $500 a month and because he can't pay. Uh, and then we'll have a... Um, um, we need to have some work on the home, so he has a uh, contractor, uh, we'll call him I Am Carpenter, uh, to pay uh, him, let's say, $3,000 for repairs. So then Mr. Jones has to go into a nursing home. They look at the, the state would look at the agreement where he gets the $10,000 CD in exchange for paying some of the bills. So he had basically a reimbursement for paying Mr. Jones' bills. Well, how much uh, would that be? So let's say that um, uh, let's say that she uh, worked for uh, for four months. That is, Betsy Ross worked for Mr. Jones for four months. So if you did some calculations, let's say that her that what she got paid was roughly uh, eight thousand uh, dollars for paying for care for. Uh, give for exchange for the caregiving care that she gave Mr. Jones. Let's say that uh, Mr. Carpenter, uh, for the repairs to the home, got another 3000 So that total of 11000 is greater than the amount of the CD, so therefore there would be no uncompensated transfer. Another example, should you so choose to want one, uh, <laughs> is let's say that the grandchild, Granny, let's say it's Granny Smith's uh, uh, grandson, uh, Emmett, Emmett, Emmett Smith. Uh, let's say that <laughs> Emmett Smith says, "Okay, Granny, uh, I'm going to make. Uh, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do all the work on the home. That is, I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to, um, you know, make sure that that um, uh, you know, doing things around the home, um, like I'm going to paint the house, etc. Uh, so you'll give me the home." Uh, in exchange, but what did I tell you? There is a you, there are certain things that were expected of family members, so therefore uh, that would be uh, uh, not acceptable 
because that's expected of a family member. So whatever the value of the home was, if that was transferred to Emmett, because I know Emmett needs a new home, uh, that that uh, that would be a transfer penalty to the extent of the fair market value of the home, which they would look at the property tax statement to see what that value is. If there was a mortgage on the property, it would, they would look at the equity value of the property. i got to stop you right there because, one, we're running out of time, and two, that's plenty of reasons, three of 3,000 reasons why people should attend your next workshop, an estate planning essentials workshop, because this is where they can ask questions about Medicaid, about their estate planning, and other matters that uh, you can address at those workshops, which you have, as you said, for five or 10 years now. In this next workshop, which is online, so you never have to leave your home, so you just zoom in, literally, uh, is on January the 8th, which is a Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning. So you don't have to necessarily go to work, or at least the majority of people don't. Uh, you can get up, have your coffee, get ready, and then just sit in from the comforts of your home to listen to Mike, who has a short presentation, and then goes around the Zoom room and asks questions about each person's individual circumstances for free. There's no charge for the workshop. And you get something addressed that's been on your mind either recently or for quite a long time. What else would you say about those workshops, Michael? Well, we ask people what they want to know, and you just you never know. Like I said, this last this raise the basis for this radio show was actually a question at the last workshop, and I never know. It could be about estate planning. It could be about um, it could be about the, the fact that the Build a Better America did not pass, and they may ask questions about uh, how does this, this affect them in any way, uh, and it could be about. Oh, estate planning as far as wills or trust or powers of attorney. It could be about veterans benefits or the could be about uh, care at home like we were just talking about here today and uh, what things can people do, what types of different uh, planning they could do, whether it's different types of trust or different types of wills. What can you do to fit your situation? It could be that somebody's concerned about uh, credit protection for a spouse or a child or remarriage protection. It could be about uh, disability. Uh, if somebody is disabled, what can we do uh, in planning for them? So I never know what questions that people are going to ask. Uh, and we answer those questions throughout the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, and uh, and then if you do go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, we actually even give you a free what we call vision meeting for an hour to discuss your individual situation in private if you would like. Uh, there's no obligation, of course, to do that. To attend that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is either call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at Dallas elderlawyer.com that's dallaselderlawyer.com for that January 8th a Saturday morning workshop at 10 o'clock uh, and, and and probably the best way is to just sign up online at that dallaselderlawyer.com uh, and just do it directly now uh, if you have problems with Zoom we give you instructions on how to do this sometimes people do it by phone sometimes they do it by their laptop and it's real simple you don't have to get out of your home like Don was saying um, you just all you do is click on this link that we give to you 
and it's nice and simple, and you don't have to be seen. You could just be heard, or if you want to be seen, or if you want to ask questions. Of course, you don't have to ask questions. You'll learn something. Even if you don't ask questions, you're going to learn from somebody else. Again, to call to sign up that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com or uh, call that 214-720-0102 telephone number. No need to be a technophobe. No need to worry about technology. Um, it's very user-friendly. The Zoom people figured that out a long time ago that they have to make it very click-worthy. So click, click, and you're there, and that's what happens when you attend Michael's next workshop online. Michael, with about uh, two minutes left, what are the Medicaid morals of, this, of these three stories? Well, I think you need to know what you're before. You need to look before you leap because there's these specific rules. And a lot of times when people say, well, I'm just going to get reimbursed, uh, I'm going to pay the bills of uh, my parent, and then they're going to pay me right before they apply for Medicaid. And then they, the government says, oh, that's a transfer penalty. That was just done on purpose to reduce your assets to get eligible for us to pay. So you, you really should, before you do anything, uh, you should really get some advice. I mean, I know we had uh, earlier this week, we had a, uh, to reduce assets, we had established a uniform transfers to minors account, which is an exception to the transfer penalty rules for a grandchild, but it's supposed to be used for an education. And um, the client uh, just did some things without the consulting uh, with counsel, and he could have screwed things up. So uh, the bottom line is that, like anything, just don't assume what the laws are. Try to find out whether it's from me or somebody else, it doesn't matter. Uh, you should try to find out. You need to look before you leap. You need to give advice if you're not get advice if you're not sure about it from somebody who has some knowledge about the area that you're looking into, whether it's a criminal law matter or if it's a uh, if it's an estate planning matter or if it's a dealing with a corporation. You should get some uh, somebody who has some specialized knowledge in the area that you're looking for. These laws change all of the time. The build back better, build back never, whatever you want to call it. We don't know what's going to happen with that in 22. No one knows, but Michael watches this like a hawk every day of the year. Basically, that's Michael's MO. I've known him this long, and and he is someone that you can trust with your state to provide you the best information you possibly could need to make the right decisions, whether it's willing certain things to people, creating trusts, Medicaid, Medicare, you name it. Attend his next workshop, which is Saturday, January the 8th at 10 o'clock in the morning, online for free via Zoom. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, thank you for the education thank today, you. for everyone, every week. I appreciate you. I know the audience does, too. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Michael. You, too. Happy holidays to all, and I hope for everybody a, a happy new year and a healthy new year for 2022. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. 
The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free Estate Planning Essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.